Homily for the First Sunday of Advent, December 1st, 2019, St. Mary's Church, Grand Forks. It was my sophomore year of high school in Mr. Jenkins's science class. I was there in the classroom, but for some reason my mind was elsewhere. I don't remember what had me so preoccupied, but I was in full-blown daydreamer mode. At one point, Mr. Jenkins asked something that required my response, and there I sat. All of a sudden, I heard a shout from across the room, Wake up! It was Debbie, a classmate of mine who was quickly becoming annoyed with me. It was jarring and embarrassing for me, which is why I still remember that little episode and how my classmates were laughing at my expense, but someone had to do it. The tone of the readings we have just heard is that of suddenness and urgency. Now is the hour to wake from sleep, St. Paul tells us. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the desires of the flesh. Choose here and now whom you really serve, whom you love and depend on the most. Don't put it off. Delaying is itself a choice for the worse, because it allows us to remain complacent, uncommitted, and lukewarm. Today's scriptures have the effect of grabbing us by the shoulders and giving us a good hard shake. And if this aggravates us and makes us angry, we likely need it all the more. This weekend we enter into Advent, a season which is easily misunderstood. When so many parts of America are literally pushing images of Christmas at us, and have been for a while, here we are beginning Advent, which seems like the Church's act of waiting to celebrate Christmas. Well, if that's all we're up to, that doesn't sound very attractive. How engaged should we expect Catholics to be if we tell them that the purpose of Advent is to hang around and wait for the feast day of the birth of Christ? Think of how many things in our world are intended to lessen the time we spend waiting. For example, think about how much time you wasted with slow internet connections 20 years ago compared to now. And as for customer service, the assumption is that faster equals better. If capitalism is your religion, waiting is a mortal sin. We're left with needing a better way to get across the idea of Advent. And that's fine, because there is far more to Advent than waiting for Christmas to arrive. Our disposition during Advent is meant to be one of joyful expectation. Now, doesn't that phrase sound more promising? The joyful part comes in when we realize that Christ has won the victory. He is risen, and death will no longer touch him. We, his followers, have no reason to be fearful or uncertain as to whether Christ will come again. And we definitely ought not to be caught off guard, even though we may not know the day or the hour when he will come. Advent has a rich meaning all its own. These early days of Advent have very little to do with the birth of Christ and much to do with Christ's second coming. That's why we heard this gospel reading today in which Jesus speaks about the end times. The triumphant return of the Lord Jesus is a glorious and beautiful thing. We will see it as such if we are well prepared to welcome him when he returns. By its very nature, Christ's return will be dramatic. Out of two people at work in the mill, one will be taken up with the Lord 
and the other will not. For the one who goes, this is what he or she most longed for. The second coming of Christ will feel like an act of thievery only to those who value most what they have here and now. But if we know that a better home awaits us, it is no great loss to leave our current one behind. And we not only think of ourselves, our loved ones who have come to love and serve God, with whom we have shared the bounty of God's truth and grace, will be united with us in an eternal song of jubilation amid the communion of saints. How could we possibly call the one who makes all this happen a robber or a villain? During Advent, we reflect on the Son of God coming to complete what he has started, to bring to fulfillment the peace and justice of his kingdom in the hearts of those who believe. We are thankful for his saving death and resurrection, which have redefined our lives. As we light candles on this wreath, that light is symbolic of the power of Christ breaking through the world's darkness. We look forward to the total vanquishing of the poison of sin that threatens to separate us from his victory. I like to describe Advent as having two main characteristics. It's a season of joyful reflection on the return of Emmanuel, God with us. And it's a season of conscious preparation of our hearts to abide in the sacred heart of Jesus. This second characteristic has a somber tone because it demands being honest with ourselves and a desire to change. But it is God's work first, and it is very important work. Let's ask, especially for the Holy Spirit's gift of fortitude, so that with courage and abandon, we will turn to God's abundant mercy. Time and time again, the liturgy helps us to snap out of whatever has lulled us into mindlessness and daydreaming. If we're going to be the best Christians we can be, we need Jesus to caution us to stay awake. So what's one example of a way to remain awake this Advent? During the Sundays of this liturgical year, we are taking the Gospel readings from St. Matthew. His Gospel is 28 chapters long. If you began today reading one chapter a day, considering the relatively small amount of time that requires, you would finish on the weekend following Christmas Day. What better way is there to keep watch this Advent than to immerse yourself in the life of our Savior?